This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Welcome back to the video podcasting track. My name is Harmony. I'm with Descript. We're sponsoring today's track, and everything today is very video focused. So uh, up next is my wonderful colleague, Mickey. She's joined by members of LinkedIn, Squadcast, and Patreon. And I'm going to let them take it away and talk about why we create multi-format content. So welcome, guys. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon for our panel, Why We Create Multi-Format Content. Um, as Harmony said, my name is Mickey. I'm the business development lead at Descript, and I'm joined by three amazing panelists today who I'm excited to introduce you all to. So of course, we're all gathered here in Dallas because we care about podcasting, right? Either because we're podcasters ourselves or because we're building tools or platforms that help support podcasters. But we also recognize that over time, podcasting is becoming just one of many ways that creators are communicating with their audience, right? It's becoming one of many formats that's in their toolkit. And so today we're going to talk about exactly that. Why podcasters are choosing to embrace multiple formats and channels. So they're choosing to embrace audio and video. They're trying out short form and long form, different social platforms, et cetera. Multi-format content can present a huge opportunity, but we also know that it can be challenging and time-consuming. Different formats require different skill sets, and quite honestly, the options out there can be overwhelming. If you just walk through the expo hall downstairs, you'll see what I mean. And so today, you're gonna to hear a variety of perspectives from people who are a lot more interesting than I am and are real experts in each of their domains. We will start off with some brief introductions, then I'll ask some of my questions, and then I'll turn it over to you to ask some of your questions. Does that sound all right? Good stuff. And so to start us off, I will introduce our panelists. We've got Zach Moreno, who is the co-founder and CEO of Squadcast, the cloud recording studio that creators, guests, and audiences love. Next, we have Leah Smart, who is the host of the In the Arena podcast, one of LinkedIn's premier podcasts. And then we have Todd Tuchek, who is creator partnerships development lead at Patreon. And so, panelists, um, to start us off, please tell us a little bit more about yourselves and tell us what multi-content format means to you in the context of your role. And so, Todd, we'll start with you. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, so I'm Todd, and as Mickey said, I'm on the Creator Partnerships team at Patreon, and so we help creators get onboarded. Um, and multi-format content, definitely for me on Patreon, is great because it's when I deal with creators every day, it's figuring out how they can either expand their businesses, utilize all the tools and the resources that they have on Patreon to offer exclusive content in forms of other you know, mediums that they can offer to their audiences and communities. Todd. Great. And I'm Leah. Nice to meet you all. Did you want intros now? Yeah, More of intros? Okay, sure. Um, so I work at LinkedIn. I've been there for about 10 years. I am an editor and a podcast host on our editorial team. We have about 100 journalists around the world. Um, and what multi-format content, content means for us is uh, our show or my show is sort of like the hub and then what else are the spokes is my consistent question um, because we do need to be able to get people in conversation and in community. So for me, it's thinking about how I 
can expand the conversation beyond just the podcast. Uh, if you were at the YouTube session, they talked a lot about this earlier today. Um, how do we do that so that people can engage in a way that's beyond the show itself? And I'm Zach Moreno, the co-founder and CEO of Squadcast. And um, we help people connect with their guests around the world in over 190 countries, I'm proud to say, and record together in studio quality. And what uh, multi-format content means to, to me and the creators that we're proud to serve is that we, the, the key word here being create. A lot has been said during this event and you know, leading up to it about the efficacy and growth opportunities of video, but what does that mean for creators to actually create? Right, that's the work that we do on an ongoing basis. Uh, we're talking about like consumption in a lot of these conversations that at least I've picked up. So uh, that has a lot of impact on your workflow, how you actually create this content on a on an ongoing basis in a sustainable, healthy way for for your media businesses. And at Squadcast, we help people create content. Uh, we started in audio. We added video because it was our most requested feature from podcasters, which kind of blew our mind. And we also do screen recording and collaborative photos. So uh, many formats to consider uh, with uh, today's title. Awesome. Thanks, all. Um, and so we'll launch into some of the questions that I've prepared here, but we'll have plenty of time for your questions as um, our time goes on. So Todd, I'm going to come back to you. Um, when you think about the podcasters that you work with, how do you see the multi-format opportunity shaping up for them? What, uh, what doors is this opening? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, one podcast that our team worked with was Unnecessary Commentary, which is mostly kind of like a review about West Wing, uh, the show. And so what they were going to do was offer video-based uh, episodes of their recordings. And so they wanted to do it in a way that was, you know, we could put it on YouTube, we can put it onto our socials, but they wanted to monetize off of that work that they were going to put into it. So they put it behind the paywall on Patreon. And so it, it gives, you know, for them as an example, the opportunity to really monetize on that content. But that being said, what they do is after it's on Patreon, they'll go and they'll put it onto their other socials as well. So it's kind of like a couple of weeks after maybe the fact that they'll go put it onto YouTube. So it just gives, you know, an opportunity opportunity to monetize differently with the different content and especially with like the video formats. Um, but you know, with podcasters too, Patreon is, you know, I always say it's a blank canvas where you literally have the opportunity to create all different types of content, whether it's like, you know, a bonus content or, you know, really getting and diving down into the community aspects. Um, you know, so we always like to say too, in sort of like differentiating up what you're doing and like your, your scheme and your plan is really focusing on, on that community side too. Because we work with a lot of podcasts who have, you know, really great numbers, amazing downloads, but their socials just aren't you know, they don't correlate with the listenership that they have. And so they really were like, who are these listeners? Who, who is this audience? And who are our super fans, you know? And so, you know, I, I've always heard, you know, in Facebook, you know, being, you know, well, meta now, but, you know, Facebook, the platform is a really great place that I feel podcasters really, you know, latch on to. So when I talk to a creator, I always say, you know, how can we, you know, really get to know your community better too? And so we have a lot of integrations on Patreon, like with Discord that really lets, you know, their audience keep the conversation going while they're like editing an episode or doing interviews. And so not only is it like just video or potentially do even doing transcripts of the episodes, but also to like the community aspects, like how can we make content that, you know, revolves more around the community, like patron polling or, or you know, patron shout outs or, or things like that. 
Yeah, I feel like what you're saying is really cool because it's almost like the link is that multi-format allows you to become multi-channel. So what I'm hearing is that by adding different formats to your arsenal, it lets you build your community not only on Patreon, but also on, you know, post it on YouTube, put it on Facebook, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really great point too. And, and, it's, and it's kind of, a, you know, something that we've been talking about a lot too is the tactics of how to grow your membership as well. And we always say, use all the platforms to your advantage, you know, and, and I was actually just listening to, shout out LinkedIn, um, uh, Colin and Samir, who are, you know, two creators who do really just really great space at, communicating about the creator landscape. And they always talk about utilizing, you know, Instagram reels, utilizing TikTok to find like the real juicy parts of your show, throw a nice little underscoring underneath it, let that go viral, let that find people, and then let them see that and then come back to your show. And so that's what we always like to do too, like anything, you know, on Patreon, figuring out how you can use all the other channels, using short form video, using just the audio with short form, how to, you know, get them to draw back to, you know, the main source, or, you know, in this case, back to their Patreon and membership. For sure. Um, Zach, Leah, is this resonating? Anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I the the thing that maybe I'm I'm thinking about too is as a creator, um, it's really important for us to think about our skill sets and the skill sets we want to grow and where we want to focus. So when I think about multi-format content, um, you know, on our team, it's more than just video and audio. It's graphics. It's uh, I'm also a writer, um, and I I didn't I was not a journalist, so. I just started doing this and started doing my own classes and trying to get myself kind of skilled up in this area. And I say this because, um, you know, there's so much evolution happening. And while my podcast is at the center of the work I do, it's really important for me also when I think about a few years down the line, what else am I going to be skilled up to be able to do? Um, I'm also a podcaster who came to this space not because I wanted to become a podcaster, but because I really cared about a specific topic. Um, so I study positive psychology, and the show is all about how do we live meaningful lives. So I wanted to be able to share that however I could. And what we found is, you know, using LinkedIn, for example, I have a newsletter. And in that newsletter, I'm writing op-eds, but I'm also embedding the show. And so you're able to capture audience who, instead of, you know, trying to fight for other podcast listener audience, you're getting people who would not listen to your show, but would read something about a topic related to the conversation that happened in your show and then become listeners. So I think that's a really big part of this is like, what are you doing to kind of increase your own skill set so that you move forward as the world moves forward too? Those are great points. And you're also meeting your audience wherever they're at that day and during that time, right? So multi-format gives your audience a plethora of ways to engage and consume with your content. You don't know if they're gonna be in the car, if they're gonna be reading your newsletter, or come back to it later on to watch the clips of it on, on YouTube. And I think that you give your audience those options, they're going to engage with you more often across these different contexts that they kind of move through in their day-to-day -day lives. Thanks, all. Um, and so, Leo, I'm gonna come back to you. I, you know, we've talked about how you're a podcaster and you're a creator in your own right. Um, and the other day we were saying how, you know, before you did this as your full-time role, this was something you were building on the side. And I think that's such a cool part of your story. I also love what you were just saying about how you create newsletters and Todd, you mentioned a transcript being part of multi-format. Cause I think often right now when we say multi-format, we mean audio and video, but it really means multi-format, right? So I love that that's kind of coming out in a bunch of these responses. Um, so Leah, you've touched on this already a little bit, um, but why do you think it's so important for creators to really be able to master multiple formats? And 
aside from yourself, who's obviously a very established creator in your own right, are there any creators out there who you think are doing a great job of this right now? Um, yeah, so the why is, I think, back to the skill sets, right? Uh, I'm someone who loves to learn, so I want to consistently be doing that. But I also think, um, you know, we're all creators, and what does that mean? And so, uh, you know, once I felt strong enough in having my show and knowing, you know, I was a good enough interviewer to feel like I could move on to the next thing, then I started thinking about what the rest of the, you know, the hub and then the other spokes would look like. Um, so I will say my, like, devil's advocate argument against myself is you don't, for me, it was not helpful to think about jumping out to many different formats right away. Um, I did that at the beginning. I bit off way more than I could chew. And as you mentioned, I was at LinkedIn doing a completely different role full time and then doing the podcast full time on the side, unsupported. Like nobody was like, hey, we want this show. It was just like, oh, this is great. You're doing this little thing. Um, so it was me on the weekends figuring out how to do this with my co-host who, um, who's no longer at LinkedIn. So uh, I will say there is definitely a method to the madness and thinking about what's most important to you, how to meet people where they are, uh, and, and just being able to get skilled up because that's what's going to bring you forward. Um, I, would, I would say, um, what was your second part of your question? If there are any creators that are kind of inspiring you these days. So uh, we are still working on, I think it'll probably be next year as I talk about you know, strategically and slowly building up our, our process, um, a video strategy. So we're thinking more about that. We know it's on the, on the list, but LinkedIn has just started focusing on audio in the last... I mean, February 22nd, we launched our podcast network. So um, it's a new thing for us that we want to nail uh, from the audio perspective. On my team, we're thinking about how we can engage in video strategy. Um, so two of the people that I do like are Corporate Natalie and Just Me Rod. Uh, those are two people who are on LinkedIn. Um, when I think about TikTok, et cetera, I'm honestly someone who gets intimidated by a lot of social media. Um, but I, I understand the value of that, and I love what they're doing. And they make it comical, interesting, and it feels, it feels edible to me. Awesome. Uh, do you mind if I double down on one more question sure. for you? Um, I love that you said that you kind of took your time in expanding to multiple formats. What advice would you give to someone who feels like they're maybe just not quite ready yet? Like, how do you know when you're ready to, to do that? And how do you know when to just say, hey, I'm trying to master my one thing right now? Uh, I think it's a mix of uh, a few things. So in my experience, it was um, because I came to this with a specific set of knowledge and wanting to engage people around the conversation of meaning, purpose, meaningful living, um, I wanted to feel like I could have those conversations without skipping a beat. Um, that was really important to me because I, I, I need to sound and be an expert, sound like and be an expert. Um, so there was sort of like that learning curve of the general content itself and feeling like I got there. Um, the second is just feedback. So, you know, the show was an internal show that was not shared publicly um, outside of LinkedIn employees for two and a half years. And we started getting more and more feedback. And it was like, oh, okay, got it. This is catching on. These people enjoy this, right? And so I had no idea that it would eventually become a show we shared publicly as of this year, but um, that was one, right? So feedback. Uh, and I think, I mean, I, I, I hate sharing this kind of advice sometimes, but um, it's really kind of like following what you're interested in and like what energizes you. I 
haven't started the video strategy because that wasn't energizing to me right away. And I think a lot of times you come to you know, conferences like these and you go, oh my God, I'm going home and I have to have a video strategy. And it doesn't feel great, especially if you're not energized by it. So I just followed what was energizing to me and also trusted that at some point, everything would reach me. But if I started with the thing that felt most grueling, I probably wouldn't have started a newsletter. I probably wouldn't have started our, our graphic strategy uh, and a number of the other things that we're doing today. Seeing lots of nodding from Todd and Zach. Is there anything you guys want to add on? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. It's whenever anyone thinks about Patreon or exclusive membership, that's a whole nother can of worms that you're adding on to your plate. And it's one of those things too, whenever I have candid conversations all the time with creators where I'm like, if you're excited about your membership, if you're excited about what you're offering, you know, outside of, you know, what is available to them, you know, on Apple, Spotify or whatever DSP, if you're excited about it, your audience will be excited about it. And that's like the real winner whenever someone's like, how is this creator successful on Patreon? I really say, listen to how they talk about it, listen to how it makes them feel, and then you know, really also too, kind of like listen to how their community talks about it too. Um, so energizing, what energizes you is definitely you know, a, the good thing to go forward with. So I agree to that, definitely. You can also sequence these things in a way that feels right to you. And I think on like day one or zero, you can definitely like claim your brand across all these platforms. And maybe maybe your first post is like, hey, I'm not gonna tweet for a while until somebody like, that's interesting to somebody in my audience. And then I, I think I, I love what you shared about it being an internal show first, because uh, my version of that was, we're gonna record until we feel like we have something publishable. Mm -hmm. The rest of it is just practice. We don't talk about practice enough in being a content creator. We don't need to publish everything, right? So with Squadcast, we have, uh, we have audio as our foundation. And then I encourage people, like if you're approaching a video strategy, it's the same exact experience. You're clicking the same record button, you just get more files at the end with video. So the, the workflow is no different, and you don't have to use those video files, but you can watch them, you can critique yourself, you can ask people for feedback. And until you feel comfortable with your product and it's gonna be engaging to your audience, maybe you run it by a focus group within your audience. I mean, we probably do that with all of our products. Your content is your product. So you can do that with your content. And, uh, and, then, and then sequence these things as they feel organic. I, I like people asking, like, hey, are you on Instagram? I'm on Instagram. I didn't see your story on that or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, that's telling me, that's a signal that my audience is in that place. And uh, how does that fit into my strategy? Is it just repurposing the same stuff or is that actually a different form of content that I'm creating specifically for that? And the creator who I think does a good job here is Everyday Astronaut. I'll have to check them out. Um, Zach, I'm coming right back to you. So the theme of our overall track today, as Harmony said, is about video podcasting. Um, and Zach, I'd love to hear from you, um, kind of both in your role as you know, co-founder and CEO of Squadcast, but also with the creators that you work with, what do you think the skills are for a multi-content podcaster to be able to, to succeed? And so on the flip side of that, what are the challenges that you think are holding people back right now? It's, it's, a, it's a big lift. I mean, we hear about the numbers that are on the other side of me publishing on, on new platforms or um, spinning up my, my membership for my, for my audience. Um, but like, there's a big road to get to those places. Um, and there are stops along the way, there's pitfalls. And um, we've seen it over and over again 
where, yeah, people bite off more than they can chew. I've, I've done that as a creator and then realize kind of back into, oh, wow, all this work is involved that I had no idea that I considered when I was like, yeah, we're going to do video. Um, so there are a number of things. I mean, there's technology platforms like ours that'll help you connect and record with people and look and sound your best. But I can't write any code that's going to, you know, treat your room for acoustics. I can't write any code that's going to frame your guest in a way that is, um, you know, uh, great lighting for them. Uh, I, I can't guarantee you have enough space on your computer to hold these massive media files, right? These are all considerations of working with multi-format as you end up with more data, more files, more formats. What's your folder? This is super unsexy, but like... What's your folder structure like <laughs> to keep organized with all these various thumbnails and this size and that size? What's the naming convention there, right? These are all things that we do as creators that aren't what we think of as creators, right? So I think there's a number of considerations. I mean, with audio, um, you have the microphone. You might have an audio interface. You're going into some software. If you have other people, that software hopefully helps you connect, and they're going to sound good, too. Um, not sound like they're recorded over the phone or whatever. So that's where I think that um, that's fairly simple compared to, th that can be very complex for you. So I'm not trying to say that's, that's um, you know, wherever you're at on that journey. But when you add video to this, you add cameras and that has its own power supply, its own storage mechanism, its own lens that is separate manufacturer and the lighting and the window and your placement. You know, these are all different considerations that we don't have when it's, when it's purely audio. So I encourage people to at least be aware of all of these things, not to be overwhelmed by them, but to understand that these are all things that you have creative control over. Whether you want to opt into that creative control or not is, is totally fine and up to you. But it's, uh, it, these, are, these are elements to your content that you can use creatively to help tell your story. And uh, sometimes they can work against you. So that's another reason to be mindful of all of these things that you can take into consideration. Uh, I'm about to publish a, a video that I was working on the script for. So I'm a multi-format content creator as well. And uh, it's all about just the file formats that are involved with recording audio and video. Again, not super sexy, but these have big impacts at different phases of your workflow. If you're collaborating with other people, like those files have impact on your Dropbox bill for that month, right? Like these things matter to our businesses as content creators. I might add, um, I will add, not might. Um, I, I would just say, you know, it sounds really simple, but uh, before coming into this role as a, an editor and a podcast host, I was doing leadership and team development within LinkedIn for our leadership teams. And what I notice with a lot of people today is in my new role, a lot of people are like, how'd you get where you got, right? So I have a lot of people asking like, you know, we want your job or we want to start a podcast. And I explained to them first that I spend more time convincing people not to start a podcast than to start one. But the reason is I ask them a series of questions that they don't yet know the answer to. Um, or they figure out the answer means I shouldn't start a show. And so the questions I ask are, what do you want? Like, and what else do you want? What does success even look like to you? Because most of us look at the top shows and, 
you know, maybe you feel like your show's going to get there, maybe you feel like you're far off, but if you haven't set the decision or the goal of what you want and what success really means for you, then what are we doing, right? And so you can talk about logistics, but, you know, you get lost in the logistics without recognizing what you want, and then you get deflated, and then you're not motivated, and so you're kind of going in many different directions, and so I've experienced that. So um, I would say it's actually really important before you even start on multi-format content is asking, like, what do I want? What am I trying to create? If I say yes to this, what am I saying no to now? Because we only have time and energy, and so if I'm saying yes to something, I'm probably saying no to something else. What is that, and is it worth the trade-off? Um, so, so that would be my, like, maybe cautionary about taking your time to develop that. Todd, anything you'd like to, uh, to add? Uh, no, I mean, it, it's great points. And, you know, on Patreon, what I always see is, like, all of these creators that are on the platform where it's truly like a labor of love. Like, they do something because they love telling stories, and I think, you know, we're all here because we love stories. Um, but they love telling stories or they love their, you know, the the shows that they're either reviewing um, or even the games that they play. I mean, I found Patreon when I was a music supervisor because when Pokemon Go came out, I'm a 90s kid, so you can't blame me, but I'm, I still love Pokemon. And there's all these Pokemon-based podcasts on Patreon that don't have ads, and they literally do it because they love the community that they build. And it, literally they say, like, this podcast is powered by Patreon. And it's, you know, it's, it is a fine line, though. Like, they all, it's, you know, it's not their full-time job. It's the thing they do for love. It's their hobby, you know, and like there's so many tools out there that can make your hobbies, you know, be, f find support and, and you can build these communities for it. And I think it's also true, like to the point, like know what you want and know what your goals are. Like if your goals are to build a small community, a small listenership and really kind of treat it as a labor of love, that's great. You know, if you want to have like your face, you know, all over podcast movement, like that's a great goal too. But, you know, just, you know, understand kind of the tools at your disposal and multi-format content in today's age, you know, I've just seen it from some creators on Patreon who have started small and really used all the channels and all the tools at their disposal and now are, you know, signing like Spotify exclusive deals because they used TikTok, they used Instagram, and they really grew their audience base. Um, but that was their main goal going into it. Um, and quickly, an, an example is an Australian-based podcast I worked with, and their names are Tony and Ryan, and the show is respectively called Tony and Ryan. They just signed with Spotify, um, but they launched their show in August came to me to Patreon in October and they were like, we have a system in our show where our callers will literally just announce the show to all of our fans. And when they announced the show, they said, we have so many emails coming in, we want to monetize this because we think we can. And they literally combined that with their show from the start. So their fans weren't like, wait, this was free, why am I have to pay for this? This is just what it was. And literally now they were just part-time podcasters, now they're full-time. Because since October of last year to right now, almost a full year later, they're completely supported by their Patreon, and then now they're with a Spotify deal, and now like that was their whole goal, was to be as big as they could, and what they did was utilize the multi-format content, and they would record it, they would put it onto YouTube, they'd put the little bites onto Instagram and TikTok, and then from there, like they just kept growing, and it's really a cool kind of look at like how multi-format can take you from this is a labor of love, this is a side passion, this is a hobby, to this is my full-time job now such a cool story and I feel like I'm resonating with things all three of you are saying. Zach, what you were saying about kind of all these other considerations that come into play when you add something like video. Um, I was chatting with a podcaster the other day who said that the reason they haven't moved to video is because they have a scripted podcast and they're used to being able to read off a sheet of paper. 
Um, and obviously, if you add video, that totally changes the experience. And they have to figure out you know, a teleprompting solution and all of that. Um, and so it, it really does open up a lot of questions. Um, but similarly, Todd, tons of opportunities if you make that choice that you want to move into that. And Leah, what you were saying about the opportunity cost, I was wondering, is Leah listening to our meetings at Descript right now? Because um, it really resonates, yeah. I think beyond podcasting, it's probably something we all think about, right? Time is our finite resource, and how are we going to allocate things? Um, so thank you all for playing along with my questions. Um, I want to open it up to the audience. Does anyone have a question that they like to ask of our panelists? Yes. <laughs> you were so ready with your question, we weren't really? ready with the mic. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I met some of you already, so hi again. Um, I'm Deborah with Swell, it's a social audio platform. Leah, you brought this up, but I want to ask all three of you, four of you actually, about the thin line between the consumer and the creator. Because we know user-generated content is king also because it means you've engaged your audience. And they want to feel like you've heard them and you love what they're about to build your brand. But there is that weird place because you want to curate and you're, and you're shaking your head. Um, so I would love each of you to speak to the, the, that beautiful space between your building great content and the consumer being able to create some content connected to you, whether it's through social audio or through feedback or through whatever. And how do you anticipate working with that the more it becomes married as a multi-platform experience because that platform will include engagement and content created by your your, your base. Yeah, definitely. I'll jump in um, first. The membership on platform, like this, it's the super fan nature. You know, the, the folks who are on Patreon and supporting your membership are your super fans. They're your, your little armies, you know, the diehard fans. And those are the ones definitely that, you know, even just drawing the line between like you as a, you know, a, a creator and the fan base, like how do you, how do you interact and engage and, and, and get that support and engagement that they can offer? And really, you know, they're almost, um, you know, uh, uh, basically just voicing and adver advertising your own work for you on your behalf. Um, that is really strong, but like how do you draw that fine line? And Patreon is a place where some creators, you know, have a struggle of like, okay, I need to understand, like, they're now in my exclusive, you know, community here. How can I, you know, make those boundaries in place, um, you know, and, and I feel like it's too, like, I always feel when you set that intention from the start, when you know what the plan is going in, and, you know, not overselling anything, like some creators go in and they're like, I'll respond to every message, I'll follow you on all the socials, and then all of a sudden they have, like, 3,000 patrons, and they're like, uh-oh, and and, and and sometimes it happens, and, you know, that's what actually what my team does, is we say, Let's pump the brakes here. Let's maybe let's let's limit it and say, hey, at the $25 tier, maybe 25, you know, folks, you know, for the first who sign up, will get a you know a signed postcard. Let's like, let's look at the bandwidth. You know, let's like look at what you have to offer because you know, as Mickey said, time is finite. So you know, I think like you know, your the work will speak for itself, and I always feel like word of mouth advertising is the best thing that can happen for creators and it will find its way. Um, and that's kind of what happens on Patreon. We really see like the people who are in it are those advocates, you know, when they go to the YouTubes or the Instagrams and they're in the comments and they're like, no, like this whole Q&A happened on Patreon. And they're like literally adv like advocating it for it. Um, so it's, 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 it's interesting how you can, you know, really find that, that group to help them engage and, and spread your content too. I would say, um, so a lot of times the conversations I'm having are conversations or the, the conversations I'm starting uh, are conversations that can be quite sensitive. They can be, there are all sorts of, of things that happen when, uh, depending upon who I interview and the conversation we have. Um, 
I would say for, for me, I'm thinking about what's the venue? Like, what's the goal for this venue? So similar to what you said about what's my intention, um, when I think about starting the conversation on LinkedIn through like a graphic, for example, um, or through a video, uh, I think of myself as the person who's got the house, I'm inviting people to my party, I'm pouring the champagne, and I'm out. You know, so like I, that's kind of how I think about it because if I thought, if I tried to talk to everybody in the, in the comments feed the whole day, I wouldn't be able to do everything else I have to do. Um, but then we have monthly live shows and like that's where I show up and I, there's, you know, the boundary gets a little bit thinner, right? And so I'm there and I'm having conversations. Um, but I just think it's about like what's the venue, what's the goal of the venue and, and also just the feedback from people in, in that venue. Are they okay? Are they happy with, not happy, I shouldn't say happy because everyone's not going to be happy with you, um, but are they able to continue a conversation on the platform or on, in the venue that you're starting the conversation? We just had a, a major product launch about a month and a half ago, and we uh, were trying to answer this very question, um, but within the context of a cloud recording studio, how can the audience engage within this, this venue? And um, without distracting, because we still have to create, right? We still have to have a meaningful conversation with the other people we're collaborating with. Uh, so we added a feature that we call Backstage, where you can invite your super fans, maybe it's behind a, a tier in your, in your Patreon, to actually come to the recording session and gain access to that um, from the backstage before it's cut into an episode, it's raw, and there is an opportunity to engage through the chat. Um, and that chat is multi-threaded, so you can have your own conversation separate from the backstage conversation that's ongoing. And, uh, and this is really cool to see. Um, and it was the exact use case of like, I want this venue for my super fans to come to my recording session. Um, and be part of that in some way, maybe get a question in towards the end. Um, and this is just phase one of our backstage. I think there are phases beyond. So uh, this is a very interesting uh, question, and I thank you for asking it. Excellent. Um, do we have another question from the audience? I have some more in the meantime, if you guys want to keep thinking. Um, so I'll kind of ask some more of my questions. Um, We've talked a lot about like audio, video, text, and kind of the way that these three are overlapping and, and interchanging. I think we have this conception in our minds that it sort of levels up from written to audio to video. Do you ever see creators going the other direction, going from video to an audio-only product or you know, audio-only to, to written? Do, do we have to stay within that hierarchy? I, great, great question. And it's something that on Patreon we work with a lot of creators all the time. Like Lauren J from Fifth Harmony, when Fifth Harmony broke up, I know it was a hard time for me I'm too. I'm a huge fan. I know, I'm trust me, fan. trust me. And so when Lauren J went her own way, she, uh, that rhymed, she um, uh, basically was like, I want to make a podcast. And so now she has her pod a podcast called The Attunement Podcast. And so she launched it exactly with Patreon because we were reaching out to a lot of just musicians when you know COVID hit and the touring was shut down. We were really trying to help them find uh, new streams of monetization through membership. And so we reached out to you know, Lauren J at the time 
and she was like, you know, this is interesting. I was thinking about doing a podcast. This could be cool to pair them together. And so same kind of thing. And music, well, I guess that's another format if you want to get into music too. But it kind of sits there almost in between, you know, audio and kind of video. And so she wanted to make her podcast. So then she launched it with Patreon. And she was like, all the behind the scenes, all the kind of the extra stuff is on, you know, on Patreon and built a community that way. Um, so it, it's definitely something that, you know, Lauren Jay, of course, is a different case study. She had a lot of resources available. Um, but, you know, unnecessary commentary, um, same thing. They wanted to do, like, their transcripts. And so they kind of went, you know, audio down to, down to uh, um, uh, text. Um, but then YouTubers as well. You know, a lot of YouTubers, you know, they have the videos set up, and then you'll watch them kind of go to Twitch, and they'll start streaming, and then all of a sudden their streaming show kind of becomes their podcast, and then they say, wait, we can put this on Apple and Spotify, um, <laughs> kind of like Kassan Piker and Fear And, um, who we just helped launch on Patreon. Um, same kind of thing, kind of starting out video and then moving into finding ways to, you know, repurpose it into audio in different formats that way. I would say, so uh, our show started as just a podcast with nothing on video and no writing at all. So we're going in the exact opposite, we're very strange direction. So we started with audio, we moved to written, and then we'll move to video. Um, and again, I, I'd probably go back to, uh, you know, when I was thinking about what I wanted with this show and also with my own skill set, I was like, what would be meaningful for me to have as a skill set in, you know, I know we can't even think a year ahead right now, but uh, at the time, four years ago, I was like, in five years, what would it look like for me to feel good about the skills I had? And writing was a really important one. Um, for me in that moment, it wasn't video, and so now that's we're moving into that. But uh, I think it's really important to think about what skills you want to have, uh, the kind of time, again, that you have to acquire those skills, um, and again, going where you're most energized, because that's going to propel you forward. Because I have the show, because I love the show, because I love the style of the show, I'm then now thinking about what else I can create, because I use my energy instead of trying to use a formula that just doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, and you can also um, create with the intention of knowing what's going to be repurposed, right? So when we, uh, we, we went kind of backwards too, where we just, uh, you know, started with scripts and then we record them and then that kind of the transcript is kind of the filtered through Zach's script and then, um, you know, these, these formats, we move between them. And I think that now what we do is when we plan out content, we know it's going to be across all of these different channels. So we just design for that up front. So our script looks less like a script and more like a, a content plan for this like campaign that's gonna be centered around this topic and that's gonna come to life in the video and the blog and Instagram and like all of these different channels. We, we know it's going to ultimately end up there and we can um, better kind of coordinate across those channels in the initial planning phase. So our, our scripting process has evolved to empower these things we know are coming upstream in our workflow. And um, this is the content we create at, at Squadcast, not necessarily the creators that we serve. So uh, I, I, I'm very privileged to learn from the creators that we serve and, and um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on where this idea originated from. Maybe probably Ariel, our community and content manager. So um, yeah, shout out to Ariel. 
we actually do the same. So our, our now we have a script, and literally when we're doing the script, I'm going, what's the graphic going to look like? What's the newsletter going to be about? And I'm doing the radio cut. You know, so it's like everything's in in one space, but it makes life so much easier down the road. So I would say I'd say that, and I'd also just throw out. Um, you know, uh, I tend to be a person who's like all in or all out. So I'm like, I, I want to jump in and really like do everything. Um, and I've learned the hard way multiple times with that. But what I have learned when it comes to creating multi-format, specifically when it came to writing, is um, I would feel like I had to write this like thousand word article for a newsletter. And I worked with the creator manager and with my team and it was like, no, it's 500 words um, and, and or 300 words. And so everyone has different ways in which people want to interact with you. What I've learned in our performance is that people want to interact with my content in a little bit longer form, but a lot of our creators on LinkedIn, they want to interact with very, very short form. So don't underestimate like the short form written content that can get you some of the engagement you're looking for and not cost you, you know, hours and hours of time to, to actually put in to do. Awesome. I think we have time for one more question. If anyone in the audience has anything. All right, in that case, um, we'll wrap a couple of minutes early. I just want to thank our, our, our panelists. I was going to say our podcasters, <laughs> both our podcasters and panelists. Um, Zach, Leah, Todd, thank you for your time, your candor, being so generous with your thoughts. Um, and thank you all for spending an hour of your afternoon. <laughs> <laughs>